Welcome to church. Such a delight for me to bring the word to you this morning. And um, I am, we are busy with a series entitled Abide, the beauty, the power and beauty of God's word. It's over there. And I just want to give you a quick summary of, of what we've done and where we're going. So we looked at on the 9th, the word became flesh from John 1. And particularly we looked at what a rich devotional life looks like, okay? And then uh, last week we looked at the Word gives life from John 5. And remember, we looked at what is life. And remember, I googled that uh, picture of that packet of life. <laughs> and then we just unpacked that a little bit. Today we're looking at the Word feeds our spirit from John 6. And then next week, we're going to look at the Word sets us free from John chapter 8. So our main scriptures are coming from the book of John in this series. But this morning, we are looking at the Word feeds our spirit from John chapter 6. And I want to just put our key scripture up. Our key scripture is John 6 verse 63, where Jesus says, The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. And we are speaking here about feeding our spirit. Remember, we're a three-part being. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in your body. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Okay, That's the conscious element of your inner world. But your spirit man is who you are. And, and, and your spirit man is alive to God. And it's so important to realize that the Word of God feeds your spirit man. And I want to just say this, you know, have you, have you ever seen some people that are, for example, scavenging in some rubbish bags? You know when they're scavenging rubbish bags? And it's one thing to see them looking in and scratching around. But how do you feel when you see somebody put their hand in and take something out of a rubbish bag and put it in their mouth. I don't know, for me, that's another level of, oh my goodness. But folks, have you ever been that hungry that you need to do that? So, I, I say this because I believe there are some people, some Christians, and you wonder, why on earth are they going there? Why on earth are they eating that? Why are they eating rubbish? And folks, sometimes they don't even realize how hungry their spirits are. I'm talking about feeding yourself in places that is not healthy for you. How, how many of you have heard the term, he's hangry, okay? Um, my wife likes that term because she knows somebody that sometimes gets hangry, okay? You know what hangry is, okay? It's a combination of hungry and angry, okay? And when you're hangry, it's, you know, if supper time's usually 6 o'clock, and it's now like 7, 30, 8 o'clock, and supper's still, you know, it's cooking, it's coming, honey, it's coming. And I may respond, you know, it's happened once or twice in my life in a, in a sort of a hangry way, you know? Not often, not often. My wife probably can't even remember when last it happened. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Annie? <laughs> but I actually think there are some Christians that are just spiritually hangry. And you know a hangry person, they get so irritated with everybody around them. 
And it's not actually, it's not the thing the person did that's the problem. It's the fact that they are spiritually malnourished. And so they get very upset with the pastor and what the pastor said or did or whoever. The worship leader was singing too loud, too soft, too whatever. And they're hungry and it's like, what's wrong with you? Well, you're spiritually malnourished. It's not the worship leader. It's not the pastor. It's your spirit is malnourished. And so you get irritated at people that should be feeding you spiritually. I want to submit to you, we need to take personal responsibility for making sure that we are fed spiritually. Folks, your Bible is literally, for most of us, one click away. One click away from feeding your spirit on the Word of God. There, there are a number of ways, and we looked at a rich devotional life, remember in the first time, there are a number of ways we can feed our spirits. But the Word of God is a primary way that your spirit man and my spirit man gets fed. How many of you know what scurvy is? Now, when I did history back in the day, we learned about scurvy and in the 15, 16, 17, 1800s, um, these sailors that went on these mega voyages across oceans, many of them developed scurvy. And scurvy is, today, you find it hard to believe that people would get scurvy. Scurvy is a disease, and I actually looked at, I've heard of this, and you've probably seen movies of oaks with scurvy. But these are the symptoms of scurvy. Okay, I'll give it. Um, Okay, can lead to anemia, debility, exhaustion, spontaneous bleeding, pain in the limbs, and especially the legs, swelling in some parts of the body, and ulcerations of the gums, and loss of teeth. How many say, well, that sounds like fun. <laughs> no ways, it's like, oh my goodness. But this was the deal with scurvy. Sailors were getting it when they went on these voyages across oceans and months and months at sea. Back then, they didn't know how to preserve food. And so they would take what they could, but you know, after a few weeks, whatever food you have is going off, and their diet was abysmal. You've got food in a ship that, that has been in the hold, and it's, the food was horrendous. And people were getting these symptoms, and they didn't know what it was. And it's one simple thing, one tiny element of a human being's diet causes you to have these horrendous symptoms. It's vitamin C. Vitamin C that you get in oranges and lemons and the bells of St. Clemens. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, okay? You, and, and so they just started taking lemons with, and the sailors would eat lemons and they didn't get scurvy. Folks, I believe there are Christians today that are suffering from spiritual scurvy and they don't realize they need the Word of God because the Word nourishes their spirits. There are hangry Christians around and I'm saying you need, and this is the thing, you need to hear the Word of God speaking to your spirit. Folks, when I bring the Word I'm trusting to bring things that God has spoken to me. But if you don't hear God through me, if you just hear me, you could leave the service with spiritual scurvy. If you don't say, God, I'm trusting you that through the word, it may be one scripture that is you see on that screen, one scripture that just speaks to your spirit, 
If you don't hear the word from yourself, you could suffer from spiritual scurvy yourself. And so Jesus said, the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. I remember hearing, and this was just a few years ago, of a, of a young couple that were expecting their first child. And it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful time, lots of excitement and fear and trepidation of the unknown when there's a baby in, in your wife's tummy. It's quite a, quite a thing. And, but I heard of this couple, and I wish I'd heard this story um, when, when Jenny had babies in her tummy. She's, uh, we've had, we have four children, so we've, we've kind, of, kind of experienced this. But we heard that they, every night, the husband would read the Bible to his wife's tummy. He would literally read chapters of the Bible to his wife's tummy. Why? Because from the moment conception happens, you have a spirit. You're a spirit being. And your spirit, and this was their conviction, this was the couple's conviction, their conviction was that that child inside of that mother's womb, that child could hear and receive the Word of God because the Word is spirit and it's life and that child is a spirit being. And this dad every night read a couple of chapters of the Bible to the unborn baby in the womb. And I just loved it. And I loved it. And what is happening over there is a couple that has a deep conviction that the Word is spirit and the Word is life. And they wanted to speak to the spirit of their unborn child. They wanted to speak life to the unborn child inside the womb. How much more us, where we have a conscious and awakened soul, and we are a spirit and we live in a body. Most of us take a lot of care with our physical bodies. Most of us would not want scurvy. We make sure we get some vitamin C in our diet. And most, most fresh Fresh, any fresh food has vitamin C in it, enough, enough to keep us healthy. But my question is this, are you suffering from spiritual deficiency of vitamin C? Are you suffering from scurvy? How much of the Word of God are you getting in your life? So we are looking at chapter 6, and these words Jesus spoke at the end of chapter 6. But there was something that Jesus said in chapter 6 that was really shocking. And I want to go there because, so we're going to go to the shocking words that Jesus said. And I want to highlight this and, and just the impact it had on some people. And so in the middle of chapter 6, where is it? It's verse 53 to 54. Jesus said these words on the next slide. He said this, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Now, if you just with your, with your soul respond to that, it's like, I'm out of here. I'm not coming back to church. But, it, but just remember the context of this. If you just read this, um, uh, if, if you don't see this as being figurative language, you would really freak out. Why? Because in the Jewish context, there were so many rules and regulations about a physical diet. There were strict regulations about what you could eat, and eating human flesh was definitely not on the menu, okay, if you read the Old Testament. 
And drinking blood was also strictly forbidden over there. So if you just literally listen to Jesus' words and you compared it to your Bible, which was the Old Testament, you are like, oh, I'm out of here. Cheers. Now I'm highlighting this because what was the impact of this? It says in verse 60, so there's a couple of verses on, when many of his disciples, it's on the next slide, heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Verse 61, but Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples, I want to, these were his disciples, they, these were people who were already committed to following Jesus. Knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling, okay, they were angry about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Do you take offense at this? I want to say, a hangry person easily takes offense. If you, if it's, I mean, I use my analogy, if it's 8.30 and we usually eat at 6 and, you know, lunch was lunchtime, like 12.30 and supper's not coming, I, I have once or twice got hangry at the person responsible for cooking supper, okay? Whoever it is, <laughs> I have. But Jesus is saying, do you take offense at this? And look what happens. Verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Oh my goodness. Jesus, aren't you trying to change the world Yeah. What is happening over here? Many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And folks, offense is one of the biggest destroyers of relationships on the planet. And I want to tell you, the enemy knows this. Trying to get you offended with your brother or your sister or your mother or your aunt is something he works overtime at. Why? Bible says many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. If you get offended with a brother or a friend, and you can't get over your fence, you will no longer walk with them. You will no longer walk with them. It's like a chicken bone that gets stuck in your throat. It's like you, you, you can't ignore it. Many, many, there are many, I, wanna, I lament the multitudes of kingdom relationships that are no more because of offense. And look what Jesus goes on to say. Verse 67, so Jesus said to the 12, so now he's, it, we don't know the whole scenario, but there would have been quite a few disciples around him. At the beginning of this chapter, he's just fed 5,000. The crowds are coming to him, and he's to, after the, he's, the, the, that eat my flesh, drink my blood story, he's talking to the crowds after, because he fed the 5,000, then they crossed the lake, he did the walking on water trick thing. And then the crowds were looking for him and he's talking to them. And this whole discussion about eating and drinking is coming from that. But it started with feeding the 5,000. And the picture is here that literally the whole rest of the crowd has left him because of what he was saying. Because they were offended at what he said. They no longer, he only has the 12. It's like Jesus, you've gone from a church of 5,000 down to 12. And now you're chasing the 12 away. Oh, come on, Jesus, I thought you're trying to build a mega church here. What's going on? Jesus says, do you want to go away as well? 
Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the only one, the Holy One, sorry, the Holy One of God. So from Peter's response, you know what we can learn? That they were not offended by what Jesus said. Because Peter's actually saying here what is inside. He says, you have the words of eternal life. Remember that's what we're looking at? The word feeds our spirit. He's saying, Jesus, you have words of life. And this is the thing. You know, I want to say up front, there are quite a few portions of Scripture that I am not 100% sure if you asked me exactly what is being said there, that I'd be able to answer you. I often read hard scriptures like, and hard sayings of Jesus. And when I read them, I'm like, with my soul, if I read that with my soul, I could easily be offended. But I know that this word is spirit and life. I know there's life in this. I just can't see it right now. And so I'm not going to be offended because there's so much I do know. And Lord, in your time will you show me. And I can't tell you the delight I've had over the years when there have been portions of Scripture that I, that I thought I didn't understand and then, boom, the Lord opens them to me and there's spirit and life that comes from it. But these words... When Jesus says, do you want to go away as well? And he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? These are very, very close to our heart because in the 90s, Jen and I were challenged by these words by a very close friend of ours. So we joined his people when we were students. I was second year in 1988. We joined his people at UCT. And uh, here we are, 34 years later, still serving God as part of his people. But I cannot tell you that I didn't have chance to get offended with his people in the last 34 years. If I told you the things that I could have got offended at, you would probably <laughs> want to leave his people and say, cheers, I'm out of here. Folks, one of the biggest tests you and I will ever face in our lives is overcoming offense. Yeah. I'm telling you, it is huge, the challenge of overcoming offense. And in the 90s, a friend of ours, we were, Jen and I, when I, when I read the scripture to Jen last night, and I said, I'm speaking about, do you remember? I said, Jen, do you remember when our friend, and I mentioned his name, when he shared the scripture with us? And the scenario was, we were in a place where we were saying, <coughs> is it time to get out of here now? And we're speaking to our friend about it, and he literally quoted these words. And he says, he said to us, Jacques, where will you go? And I'm not saying that his people is God and the only church on the planet and etc. But for us, we knew that the Lord has joined, had joined us to his people. And when he asked those question, the question, where will you go? It was a sense of, I would be walking away from what we sensed was God's will for our lives. This, he challenged us with those words, where will you go? When he said, Jacques, where will you go? We decided to stay. 
a short while later, 2001, we were asked to join the team in Cape Town and join the full-time team and, and we basically became pastors 2001, 20, 21 years ago. We were ordained in ministry, we, we joined, well we did ministry training and we joined. And Jen and I often reflect, literally three or four years earlier, we were faced with the option of walking away from his people. And I said to Jen last night, I said, there's no ways. We would be pastoring a his people church anywhere on the, in the world, never mind in Peter Maritzburg. And if, if in 1997, we had chosen to let our offense separate us from the spiritual family that God had joined us to. We had a strong sense that God had called us to his people. But the enemy brought an offense and he was trying to separate us, sever us from our spiritual family. Now again, I'm not saying his people is the only thing. There are lots of awesome churches. My deal is this. Be where God wants you to be. And if you can overcome the offense that you will experience at that church, that amazing church in wherever, you know, in Toronto, that you think is the perfect church, there are real people there that will offend you to you, your core. And if you feel called to that church, are you able to overcome that offense? If you don't, it'll separate you not just from those people, but potentially from the call and the purpose of God on your life. And you could be in a spiritual wilderness for years. There are many Christians that are in a spiritual wilderness today because of an offense in 1997 or 1977 that they have not been able to overcome. What did Peter say? He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed. Now, I want to, I want to, I'm going to come back to believed. You see, Peter, what, just let's look at Peter's heart here. I don't think Peter really knew what Jesus was saying when he said you've got to eat and drink this blood and flesh stuff. But he saw the big, he didn't allow the literal words of Jesus to cloud the bigger picture that he had, that you have the words of life. And right now, I can't tell you what Jesus was talking about there. But I know he has life. And if we leave here, where will we go? That's literally say, where will we go? Now, this word offense, I, I've, I've heard teachings on it. And I could, I could give you a teaching on offense while I'm burning with offense inside. Because it's easy to understand it. But, oh my goodness, it's hard to live it. And when I heard this teaching years ago, I, had to, I always had to explain to people with words because... Yeah, I'm not going to draw things. Today, Google is amazing. I googled the Greek word for offense. The word, Greek word for offense is the word scandalon. And I googled scandalon and it gave me the picture. Kaboom! That is a scandalon. Now, I know it does need a little bit of explanation. But literally, to a, in, in Greek culture, the scandalon is the piece of meat that you would put on a trap that you were trying to use to catch some wild, ferocious animal, okay? For example, if you're a shepherd and there's a wolf coming after your sheep, shepherds would set traps and wolves like meat. So that trap, it has a massive spring in the middle and it has these huge jaws on the outside 
and there's a metal plate in the middle, that metal plate, a Greek person would call the scandalon, or sorry, it's not the plate, it's the meat that you put on that metal plate. And that metal plate, the moment the animal puts any weight on that plate, it releases the spring, and that trap kunk, closes and grabs the animal with whatever body part is in the trap, okay? But the meat that you would put on the trap is called the scandalon. John Bevere wrote a book, and he entitled it The Bait of Satan. The Bait of Satan. There is offenses. Now, in this scripture we looked at, a whole bunch of people heard what Jesus said. We're out of here. Peter said, whoa, there's a bigger picture here. Jesus knows what he's talking about. He's got life. I'm not going I'm, to, I'm, Lord, I'm still devoted to you. I don't have the answers, but that's okay. I'm still going to serve you. But if you take, this, take offense, it literally means you take the bait of Satan. That's literally to a Greek person. That's how they would understand. And so let's, let's, let's move on. I want to read this to you. So Chris Vallotton, he's a pastor from Bethel Church, Reading he, he preached a sermon last year and then he did a blog on it as well. And I read the blog. And he said this, I'm deeply concerned by the offense that I see boiling over in the hearts of the church today. In the midst of these tumultuous times, and I just, I'm putting in brackets to give you the context of the tumultuous times. Now, this is in America. He's a pastor in America. What are we going through? COVID-19. What is COVID-19? For example, well, let's just read all. COVID-19, political divisions. I mean, in America, you're either blue or red. You're either Democrat or Republican. And there's a vast difference between the two sides. Racial divisions. BLM, Black Lives Matter, huge racial tensions in America. All the issues about LGBTQ+, etc., and that list goes on. I just want to say COVID-19. In America, wearing a mask or just the question of vaccines is a highly emotive political debate. And I thought it was just in America. So Chris Vallotton is talking about that's the world when you say, when he says tumultuous times, what are we talking about? I mean, folks, I've read and listened to blogs, pastors in America. They said, um, Tim Keller was, well, they were interviewing him. Tim Keller's a retired pastor in New York. He, he was literally saying, I'm so glad I'm not pastoring anymore. He said the tensions between people in churches in America are just off the charts. Everybody is so angry at everybody else. Literally, I mean, I was listening to uh, Chris Vallotton, I mean, read the blog, etc. There has been a spirit of offense being poured out in the nation. It's literally like the enemy is pouring out offense. And this stuff is calling everybody is so angry and upset and offended with everybody else. It is so hard to build healthy community. I mean, one pastor I know in South Africa, I thought this was just America. One pastor 
Yeah, he, he posted on one of, the, one of the WhatsApp groups. He said this. He said, in my church, I cannot even mention the word vaccine. It'll cause half my church to get offended and leave. I was like, this is South Africa. And this is in America. How about the anger that boiled over in our province in eight days in July. Folks, did you see all the anger that was released and the anger that it unlocked in terms of revenge and etc.? I have never known people to be so angry and offended. It is as if the enemy has laid scandalons, traps, just all over. I mean, it's so care. You've got to be so careful as a pastor, you know, for me, preaching up here, any one of those things, I'm like, if I say anything wrong about any of those, you know, we could have those five people going this way and those five people going that way. I've never, I personally never experienced so many people that are so easily offended. I was speaking to, and, and just, you know, eight days in July, apparently there's a book out, eight days in July, speaking about the looting and the craziness that went out political wars that are being fought and you and I are the pawns. You know, I remember in the past hearing stories of, uh, history stories of wars and, you know, thousands of soldiers from this side and thousands of soldiers killing each other because those political leaders don't, don't like each other. And I've always thought, that's crazy. Why do those guys go to war and get shot? Because that king doesn't like that king and they're fighting with each other. And then I think about what happened in July and I'm thinking, I'm living this. I'm experiencing this. I was speaking to, a, a, just this last week, a guy who works on a mine up north in South Africa, Limpopo, somewhere north. I don't know exactly where, just far up north. And, and we were talking about what happened in July. And he said, he says, the impact in South Africa. He says, where he works on the mine, there are a number of people of, uh, that are Shangan and Venda, etc. He said, those guys will not tolerate a Zulu person on that mine. He said if, they, if a Zulu person came and tried to work on them, they'd shambok him out of there like in, in two ticks. I was like, what's going on? He says, and he was trying to explain to me, he says, you don't know what was unleashed in July in our nation in terms of polarization between ethnic groups in South Africa. The looting happened in areas that were majority Zulu-speaking people, folks. It was not a national thing. So what is the result of that? Now the Shangans and Venda people in Northern Province, they can't wait to find a Zulu person to Shembok. I'm like, what's happened in the Rainbow Nation? The enemy has poured out scandalon, offense. He's looking for you and me. It's a trap, folks, to separate you from the, from the purpose of God. Jesus experienced his disciples. Folks, the story is that there were 12 men that said, Lord, we're going to overlook this offense. Look what Chris Valentin goes on to say. He said, I feel it is extremely important to lay down our offenses, examine our hearts, and protect our innocence. It can be easy to take on bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness. 
when our world is divided, when personal opinions are loud, and the stakes feel high. Yet, I'd propose that the Lord is asking to protect our innocence and purify our hearts and to lay down our offenses. You may be sitting and you, you, you have an offense. You are holding on to something. But Chris Vallotton says, I feel the Lord is asking you to lay them down, just to let it go. It'll separate you from the life of God. So I want to come back to the words of Jesus. He said in John 6 verse 63, the words that I've spoken to your spirit and our life. And I want to come back. So we, what we have done is we've looked at this, this eruption of offense and this great departure that Jesus experienced at the end of chapter 6. But what, what happened in the rest of the chapter? He said, he said just before this, literally a few verses, he says, whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Now, when you understand that in John chapter 1, we see that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, that the word is Jesus. Twice in this chapter, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Folks, how do you, you hungry, there's bread. What do you do to get nourished by the bread? You need to eat it. So the metaphor here is Jesus is the bread of life. And to get the bread inside of you, you need to eat it. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Jesus is saying, you need to, it can't be out there. You need to bring it inside. But let's go back. The story starts in the beginning of chapter 6. Where Jesus feeds the 5,000. What did he feed them with? Bread, aha, uh -huh, and fish. And so the end of chapter 6, Jesus using this very physical, natural miracle that happened to teach them spiritual truths about you need to nourish your spirit and you need to feed your spirit on me. I am the bread of life. I am the word. And so, folks, that is how you feed your spirit. We need to feed our spirits on Jesus and his living word. You need to hear the living words, the life-giving words of Jesus to your spirit, into your situation where you are at this stage in your life. Do you have the word of God that speaks life and hope and faith into your situation in the beginning of 2022? That's where life is. If not, you're going to be hangry or offended with people. Verse 5, chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus speaking, says what well says, Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Now, it's so interesting that he turned to Philip, and I was just doing some research on it. Why Philip? He had 12 disciples. Well, apparently Philip came from that area. And it's literally, you know, if I came to visit you in wherever your home is and I want to buy something, I may ask you, hey, you know, hey, um, whoever, I'm looking for a name here, Anne, if I'm in Anne's neighborhood, home, Anne, I need to get something from the shops. Where's the closest shop? Okay, where's the spa? Tell me where the spa is, okay? That's kind of what Jesus is saying over here. 
Um, but let's go on. So then um, Andrew says, hey, here's a little boy with two fish and, and five loaves. And it says in verse 11, then Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. I'm intrigued by the scripture on two counts. Firstly, Jesus' abundant provision. But secondly, Jesus was not wasteful. He gathered up 12 baskets of fragments, the Bible says. And he doesn't say what he did with it. But you know what I think he did with it? That little boy who had the fish and the loaves, he was now out of his, his supplies. It doesn't say so. I think Jesus called that little boy and said, here's 12 baskets of bread. My man, I think you can, you can do quite well. Just, you know, Jesus didn't take without abundantly giving back to that little boy. We experienced this miracle. 2011, we went on sabbatical to, to Mozambique and we were in Pemba with Heidi Baker's ministry. And we were doing a, a conference at this little village just outside Pemba. And they were expecting about 200 people. And so they brought Hessian bags, you know those Hessian bags, full of those Portuguese rolls. They're, they're like this. There were about 100 rolls in each bag. Two bags, two times 100, 200 rolls, 200 people. Folks, the people just came and came and came. 2,000 people at that conference. But we have two Hessian bags, and we were part of the team. So what did we do? We, I mean, there were a number of us over there. We prayed over those bags and said, Lord, do it again. We have 200 rolls for 2,000 people. We just prayed over it. Folks, I, I don't know how it happened. I didn't see another bread truck arrive or anything. By faith. We just put our hand in those and we gave rolls to people. And we gave rose, rose, rolls to people. And once 2,000 people had got rolls from those two bags, the bags were empty. I don't know how it happened. I kind of, you know, in hindsight, it's like, I should have got my phone and stuck it in that bag and like, Lord, how are you doing this miracle? I don't know. But I experienced it. From bags of two bags, 100 rolls each, I saw 2,000 people getting food. Jesus is still doing it today. He's abundant in his provision. But what's happening in this chapter? Folks, you may experience miracles of God's provision. We just heard here yeah, Rebecca telling amazing miracle of God's provision for her in exams. She was studying the Lord led her to the exact stuff she needed to study. But this is the thing I've, I often ask. Have you sucked all the goodness out of the miracle that you've experienced? You and I are sitting here. We wouldn't be here if we haven't experienced God's provision, for example, at some point in our life. But what does that provision tell you about what God is like? What does it tell you about his commitment to you? What does it tell you about how 
He's going to be with you and for you in the future. 2022, post-pandemic, I hope, I pray, post-pandemic here. What does your miracles tell you about the Lord's provision in this coming year? Have you sucked all the goodness? And, and, and I want to use another eating analogy. You know, we've had many children. <laughs> we've got four, should I say. Let's just say. And one of the, the great delights and privileges of a parent is to teach a child manners at the table. Because, you know, left to their own devices, I'm telling you, um, there would be not much difference between, let's just say how the dog eats and my children eat, if they didn't have parental guidance on how to eat properly. And one of the things we're often trying to help our kids to do is just eat a bit slower, enjoy your food, Mom has put a lot of effort to make it taste good. Just eat slowly. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the taste. Don't guzzle it down and in two minutes your food is finished. And all the parents said, amen, been there, got the t-shirt. Okay. But I want to say, do you enjoy God's miracles? Have you, you know, folks, we are sitting here. We've been through two years of pandemic. Two years of shutdown on an economic level like none of us have ever experienced. But most of us had food enough yesterday, physical food, and this year so far. I think it's a miracle. It's like, I often think, Lord, how did you do that? Have you sucked all the goodness out of your miracles? Are you being sustained today by your experience of God providing for you in the seasons that have gone before. And I want to just finish with this concept of how do we apprehend? How do we take this bread of life and eat it? How do we absorb it to be part of our being? Jesus said in verse 26, you were seeking me, speaking to the crowds that are coming to him after these miracles, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. They said to him, the next verse, what must we do? to be doing the works of God. And Jesus says, verse 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. Believing the Word, believing Jesus, is how that bread that is out there gets absorbed inside of your body. And I just want to highlight this word. This word, believe, if you go to an Amplified Bible, it will say, when Jesus said that you believe in Him, this is what the Amplified Bible says, that you cleave to, the Greek word is pisteo, by the way, that you cleave to, trust in, rely on, and have faith in Jesus. That is the process of 
assimilation. I use the word, it's used in many contexts, but in a biological sense, if you eat some food, the process, the biological term for, well, it can be used in this context for your body breaking down that food and actually absorbing into your body is assimilation. That process, Jesus said, it's believing. But believing isn't just with your head, tick, ah, I got that scripture, uh, yes, Lord. It is cleave to trust and rely on and have faith in. And I was like, what is a picture that would show what this looks like? And I, I googled, I, I often think in pictures, I'm trying to like, what is a picture? And this is the picture I got. How many of you think that guy is cleaving to that rock of a face? How many of you think that he's, he's hanging on to that rock like his life depends on it? I love the fact that that picture, I was looking at it, and, and, and I'm sure it was, it was photoshopped. Um, but they did a picture where they showed these clouds in the background. So it looks like he is hanging from a cliff that's literally above the clouds. And uh, I mean, I think they did quite a good job on Photoshop with that one. But never mind. Folks, when we say believe in Jesus, cleave to him that, that your, like your life depends on it. It's probably the Greek understanding of what that looks like is probably closer to this than our just mental ascent tick. I've heard that scripture. And I want to, let's go to verse 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always, all the times. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry. And he who believes in and cleaves to and trusts in and relies on me will never thirst anymore at any time. Folks, we don't need to walk with spiritual scurvy if we come to the bread of life. In Matthew 4 verse 4, I want to close with the scripture. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I want to pray for you. Lord, this is not something just for a select few. Lord, you said man, and that word refers to humanity, Lord. Lord, I pray for every single person here. Lord, that they would know what you are saying to them. Or Lord, that they would find what you are saying to them, Lord. Lord, I want to pray against the spiritual malnutrition, Lord, and the resulting being easily offended that comes with it, Father. 
And Lord, the th- just the thing of going to scratch in all kinds of rubbish bags for spiritual food that, Lord, will never nourish. Lord, Jesus, you are the bread of life, Lord. You are the bread of God who comes out of heaven and gives life to the world. Lord, I pray that every single person here would experience what it is to know you as the bread of life, who believes in and cleaves to and trusts in and relies on you, you say will never thirst and will never go hungry, Lord. Lord, I pray that a spiritual famine would not be carry will not be a reality for anybody who hears this word in 2022. God, may our spirits be fed. May our spirits be nourished by intimacy with you. Lord, may every spirit here experience the delight of hearing the still, small voice of the Spirit of God speaking life. And Lord, may we respond with pisteo, with a cleaving to, an adhering to, a a relying on, a faith in, a believing God, that these are the words of life, Lord. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God, impart life, Lord. Impart life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I, you know, as I was preparing, I was like, I just want to read my Bible. <laughs> so Lord, I pray for amazing times for every one of us this week. So we spend time in your word. May we hear the words of life in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za and for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. To join us for in-person services, Visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.